We're continuing our series today on describing the indescribable as we look at different attributes of who God is. It's funny that many of us, most of us, already naturally believe in God, even though you've never seen him. You may have sensed him, you may have felt his presence, but you probably haven't laid eyes on him. You believe that he's led you in the past and you trust that he'll lead you in the future, but you haven't ever seen him, yet he's the same God today and every day. In fact, all throughout the Bible, he describes it like in Malachi, here it is on the screen. He says these words, he says, I the Lord, I don't change. He says it in Hebrews, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, In James, here's how he's described. He's the father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And while we've never seen him, he's not playing hide and seek. He's not wearing camouflage. He's not hiding from us. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And while uh, it's not enough to just think about uh, a God that that you can't see, today I hope you can see him more clearly. As we think about who he is, by the word just. So let's pray and then we'll dive right into the word. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, God, for for being a God that doesn't hide, a God that wants us to know you and know you well. And so I ask that you will bless us as we think about who you are in your justice. May we understand you clearly in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, from the youngest age, kids understand what justice is. They don't use that word, they use the word fair. And you'll hear it all the time with kids fighting over whatever it is, that's not fair. And you run into the room and the kids are arguing because somebody got the blue Lego and the other kid didn't get it, right? It's not fair, how come? You know, I heard a story once of an older sister and a younger brother and they had a bag of M&Ms and they were to divide them evenly amongst each other. And so the older sister, who's wiser and a little bit sly, she takes the bag of M&Ms and she spills them out on the counter. And she says, okay, here's one for you and one for me. Here's two for you and two for me. You with me? Three for you and three for me. Right? And at the end of the time, the little brother had a small pile and she had a massive pile and he couldn't understand what happened because it looked fair, but it was not fair. People understand what justice is when we talk about food. You got the Sabbath dinner table. Thanksgiving is a perfect example. You can eat as much lasagna as you want. You can eat as much vegetables as you want. Salad, eat it up. But don't you dare take one extra roll that you're not supposed to have. Am I right? Those dinner rolls are counted before the table is set, and there's only so many, so don't even touch them. When my family, when when Jen and I made one family, two families came together, her family and my family, uh, there was quite a difference in regards to how food was distributed. See, she comes from a family with five uh, kids, and so with five kids, you gotta, you gotta think things through a little bit. So when they would go to Taco Bell, there was only one order for all the kids. Everybody got the exact same order. And if you didn't want onions on your burrito, then you would pick them out. That's how it was. Or on Sabbath morning, for the Sabbath morning treat, her mom would often make coffee cake and it would be perfectly cut into just the right amount of portions for the family. And that's, everybody got the same piece. Everybody got the same size. There was nothing better that anybody else got. It was the exact same for everyone. But my family was a little different. See, we went by the food policy, and maybe you know this, um, you snooze, you lose. 
You know this policy? Oh, and when Jen and I uh, got married, we had to understand how this worked, especially when it comes to things like cereal. Now, I am a cereal connoisseur. I love some cereal. In fact, last, last Friday, not yesterday, the week before, Publix was having the best BOGO deal on cereal ever. I got some of the cereal I never get, and it was on sale. It was fantastic. Uh, but Jen and I, when we were getting married, or once we were just recently married, I remember we, we got uh, one of my favorite boxes of cereal, Cracklin' Oat Brand. Anybody Cracklin' Oat Brand fans? Oh, thank you, Karen. Yes. And Tim, excellent. It's a, it's a good cereal. Kind of healthy, kind of not, kind of a balance. It's best of both worlds. Except it's like $7 a box. And I'm not going to pay $7. And it's a small box, too. It's like two and a half bowls of cereal. And so I remember we get this box of cereal, and, and uh, I had four bowls, and she had one bowl, and she thought it wasn't fair. Yet I thought you had the same opportunity that I had. Isn't it funny when we think about justice and when we think about what's fair and not fair, we always think through our own lens of what's fair to me and, and what is justified for me. And have I been um, mishandled? Did I get abused here? And when things are unjust, we usually say something or we say nothing and we just feel like we're the victim. See, we know what fairness looks like. We know what our rights are. We know what justice and justness looks like from a human perspective, yet God's perspective of what justness is and justice is, is bigger than we can think or imagine. See, he sees not only what we see, but he sees this bigger picture of the end from the beginning, all the universe in the cosmos all together. He sees the whole thing. It's a different viewpoint of what justness looks like. In the Old Testament, there are three Hebrew words that describe the word just, it's, uh, I'll tell you all three of them. The first one is the word tzedak. It's kind of a fun word to say, tzedak. It's an adjective to describe righteous or uprightness. Uh, Pharaoh, he uses this word when the children of Israel are in Egypt. They're trying to leave. The, the, the plague of hail comes, or the, the, yeah, the plague of hail comes and kills everything that's alive that's outside. And Pharaoh, here's what he says. He says, this time I have sinned. The Lord is right. That's the word tzedak. He is the, he's just, he is righteous, and I and my people are wrong. Sadak. here's the second one. Yashar, it's another adjective. It really describes someone that is living a just life, that's living a righteous life. It's what they look like. Here's the last one. It's mishpat, which has two definitions. The first one is a noun, which is like the measurement of what justice looks like. It's this measuring tape. It's the standard, it's the law, it's, it's how high you have to be. In my home, um, since my kids were young, we had this long growth chart. It's basically a huge ruler. Some of you have made them uh, off Pinterest. You have a board and you put all the measurements on there. I don't even know where we got ours. And it hung on the back of a door. To be honest, I haven't seen it in like two years, so we, don't, we haven't kept up with it. But every once in a while, especially on my kids' birthdays, uh, they would go to this measurement. They'd stand next to it. We'd put a book on top of their head and make a little mark underneath the book. And then we'd write their name and, and the date to see how they've progressed up this growth chart. But what's crazy is that the inch on my growth chart is the exact same inch on a measuring tape in all of America. And on a ruler in every school, it's the same one inch there is one inch there. It's the standard. A one foot here is one foot there. It's all the same. It's the standard. It's the mishpot. It's the measurement across the, the uh, America. The second definition of this mishpat word is the verb. 
And it's the act of someone sitting as a judge and giving the verdict of justice. It's described as the one that is the justifier. All throughout the Old Testament, God's described as a God that is just and fair. Like in Malachi, here's, uh, not Malachi, let's keep going. It's Isaiah, it says this, for I, the Lord, I love justice. He says it again, just a few chapters before, here it is on the screen for you. For the Lord is a God of justice. But there's one place in the Bible where all three of those words for justice is used, and they're all used to describe God. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 32, and if you've got your Bible, I invite you to turn with me there. If you didn't bring a book, a Bible, there's a blue book in front of you, and you can follow along on page 148, and you'll read the same words that I'm reading. I'll give you a little context while you're turning there. Deuteronomy, it's the last of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible that Moses writes. And he writes at a very old age. He's like 120 years old. He's led the children of Israel uh, for 40 years on this most securitous route throughout the desert. They're knocking on the doorstep to the Holy Land, the promised land. They're ready to go in. Yet because Moses struck the rock way back when, instead of speaking to it, he's not allowed to go into the promised land. And so he's, he's giving this peaceful transition of power to Joshua, the new leader. So he gathers all the children of Israel together and he begins to talk to them. He introduces Joshua. He talks about the past. He talks about how God has led them. He talks about the future, about where they will be going. And he talks about how they, they will probably rebel. And, and he busts out something that's very interesting, the weird timing. You think this is a time of love and care and Moses busts out the law. It's kind of a weird thing. Kind of reminds me of parents that have an 18-year-old kid. They just graduated from FLA. Uh, their kids decided to go to Southern. So they drive up to Collegedale, Tennessee, and they, they, get the, they get the kid there. They get them settled in the room. They've already gone to Target, bought new sheets and a comforter. They've already gotten their student ID. They made sure their classes are, are ready. And it's at the moment where adulthood starts to begin and parents have to let go, yet they don't know what's going to happen to their kid. The kid is at a weird place where they know they have to get their parents gone, but they don't want them to go to. And it often happens right there in the parking lot by Taj Hall or what's the women's door up there? Thatcher Hall, thank you. It happens right there. You'll see it. I've seen it many times. And the parents are with their kid and mom is, is on the verge of crying. And she's saying, I love you so much. Dad's being tough. I'm, I'm proud of you, kid. You know? And it's at this moment that the parents bust out the law. They bring out the family values. They, they say things like, now make sure you change your underwear at least once a day. Eat plenty of fruits and vegetables. Don't stay up all night playing video games. And as Moses is, is in this weird transition time, he brings out the law the measurement of what justice looks like, God's standard as he shows the children of Israel what they are to live up to. Here's what's cool. In this moment, in this time in the story, God comes alongside Moses and he gives him the lyrics to a song. Now forever God has spoken through humans and prophets and, and words, but he writes to us in a form of a song as Moses takes the lyrics and puts it to music. And I wonder what the music sounded like. You think it was a mighty fortress is our God? 
or joyful, joyful, we adore thee. I don't know what it sounded like, but God describes himself as he writes this song, and it's right there, Deuteronomy chapter 32, starting in verse 1. Now, we're not going to read all 43 verses of this song. We're just going to read four of them. Here's what my Bible says as God describes himself. Verse 1 says this, Listen, you heavens, and I will speak. Hear, you earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching fall like rain, and my words descend like dew, like showers on new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants. God says, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise the greatness of our God. He's the rock. His works are perfect. All his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. Right there in the introduction, you hear the accolades of who God is the person that he is, the being that he is, what he is like. It kind of reminds me of how golfers sometimes are introduced on the tee box. Just a little over 20 years ago in, in 2002, which seems like a, a blink of an eye to me, but some of you are you're 10 years old, it's twice your lifetime. In 2002, Tiger Woods, a very young Tiger Woods, the most favorite uh, golfer of all time. He's paired with another sometimes favorite golfer, Phil Mickelson. Not right now, probably, because of Live Golf. And uh, they're, they're at the Tour Championship. They're ready to tee off there at East Lake in Atlanta. And the announcer does the introduction of Tiger Woods to, to tell the people who this man is. And as she announces and talks about who he is, Phil Mickelson gets a little tired of hearing all that. And here's the video. Here's what happens. including the 2002 Masters Tournament, the U.S. Open, the Bay Hill Invitational, the Buick Open, the American Express World Golf Championship. All right, all right. It's his introduction. It's who he is. Listen to the person that he is. Listen to his accolades right there in the introduction. And as God describes himself, he starts with the good stuff. And I'm a little surprised that God doesn't start with, I am God, the most loving being ever. I'm surprised he doesn't say, I am God, the most patient being in the universe. He says something different. Here it is on the screen. Let's see if we can get that. He says, all of his ways are just. He's a faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. He's Sadak, he's Yashar, and he's Mishpat. He's just, he's just, and he is just. His description for all people is simply that you can trust him because he's fair, and because he's upright, and because he's just. And isn't that one of the most beautiful descriptions of God? I mean, in, in a world where political leaders do everything they can to shield the public eye from really seeing what's happening, 
God, the, the leader of the universe, he says, I want you to see everything. I am just, there's all transparency here. Just take a look. Because he's in the middle of this great controversy battle where people don't know what's happening. And he says, I want you to see it all. Let me show you the picture of justice. Because God is just, his law is just as well. It's the standard, it's the mishpat, that measuring tool, a measurement of holiness. And living up to that standard, that measurement is absolutely impossible. None of us measure up. None of us can, can reach that height. None of us can measure up to, to what he's like. You know, if you're from Central Florida, you either love or hate Disney World. Uh, I'm tired of it. I don't need it anymore. Thank you very much. Some of you don't like that I just said that. It's okay. Send me an email. And before we moved to Florida, we got annual passes up in Atlanta. And we, we, we talked about it. We said, buy once, cry once. Just make it happen, okay? Let's, let's enjoy Disney World while our kids are young. We'll just go. We'll get it out of their system. And then we moved here. Yeah, good planning, Smith family. And uh, we figured out that if you go 10 days, that you pay for an annual pass. And so we went almost 40 days that year from Atlanta. Basically every vacation, we ended up coming down here. And over a year's time of going to Disney World, your kids can really grow. And when we first started going to Disney World, Kanan, my youngest, oh, he was just a little guy. In fact, I got a picture of these guys. Let's see, let's see if here it is on the screen. Look at those guys. You'll never see another picture of them holding hands together. I guarantee it. Oh, sweet boy. I bet you guys don't even remember that picture, do you? <laughs> little Canyon was such a, a little guy, and when we'd go to these different rides, he just couldn't measure up. He wasn't tall enough. When we'd go to one of my favorite ones at Hollywood Studios, Rocket Roller Coaster, you got to be 48 inches tall to ride that sucker. He wasn't anywhere close to that. But as the year went on, and as we kept going to Disney World, he kept growing and I remember we were driving down one time and he said, Dad, I've grown a lot. I, I think I probably can ride rock and roller coaster now. And we got there and he went over and you know that standard, that measurement tool, the law, the standard, it's, it's bolted down into the concrete there. You can't adjust it. It is just there. It's, it's the perfection of how you can get on this ride. He goes over there, kind of light on the heels, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Fluff the hair up a little bit. And he squeezed right in there and they said, come on in, boy, you can ride that ride. And, and I don't think it's your favorite ride anymore, is it, Canaan? No, definitely not. But he made it. Now, here's the thing. While Canaan is tall enough to reach the standard, the mishpat, the measurement to ride Rocket Roller Coaster at Disney World, you and I don't have a chance at living up to the law of God and his holiness and his perfection. Paul gives us the bigger picture of justness. And he puts it into words that you're very familiar with, but we're going to go slowly through it. Here's what it says on the screen. He, he writes in Romans, he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You can't reach it. You can stand on your tiptoes. You can wear those shoes that have a little bigger heels. You can do your best. But the problem is every single one of us is short. You can't measure up to it. We're just midgets when it comes up to measuring up to the measurement of God's glory. The goodness in our lives is not anywhere close to good enough to ride the roller coaster of the kingdom of heaven. You just can't do it. We've all fallen short, but there's more, especially when it comes to God's justness. Here's what the next slide says. 
For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified. Do you know what justified is? Let me explain it like this. Um, if, you, if you're using ChatGPT for all your assignments, you won't know this. If you don't know what ChatGPT is, you're old. It's okay. But, wow, there's a lot of old people in here this morning, I think. If you use a word processor, you'll understand this. Um, because when you use a word processor, you have to format what you're working on. And if you want to format it, you have, it looks like this. Here's a picture of it. At the top of your screen, you've got all these different things. And in that red circle there, there's all the different uh, alignments of where you want your words to start. Now, the majority of us, we start with left line. So all of our words start on the left side of the page, and the writing goes across to the other side. And when it gets to the other side, it wraps and starts on the other side and keeps coming. Um, I don't know if anyone ever uses this one, but it's an option to use right align over here, and you write down the page, and it wraps down and keeps coming. Um, I've only used this one a couple times in my life when it's like poetry or something, but maybe once in my life, okay? And you use the center align. I don't know why you'd really other, use that other than poetry or something. And everything lines up to the center. But there's one more button, and you can kind of see it on the right-hand side there. It's highlighted. What, what, what's that button called? Justified. And this is what happens. When you start on that left side of the page, and the line goes across, and it wraps to the next line, and it keeps coming, every line that is too short, that doesn't reach the full way, that doesn't reach the whole page width, that doesn't go all the way to the margin, Microsoft Word stretches all the words and all the letters to fill the gap so that it's justified, so that everything is full and complete. Are you with me this morning? Because we're all too short to get to the end of each line. Because we're not good enough to live up to the measurement, the mishpat of God's law. He has justified us, stretched us out, lifted us up, made us grow taller, and it's the best news ever. And here's how he did it. It's still there on the screen. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Verse 26 says this. Here it is on the screen. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and to be the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Come on now. He is just. He gives justice. And he is the justifier at the same time. You know, this morning as we've done a, our best job to describe the indescribable through the lens of just, I think we failed. God might be just, but he sure isn't fair. It's not fair that because you and I are too short to live up to his glory that he stood in the gap. It's not fair that because you and I are too short that he was the one that came to lift us up. It's not fair that because you and I have failed that he stretches us out to fulfill our weakness. And because it's not fair that God justified us forever and ever, we will always sing of his glory. In fact, in, in Revelation, John the Revelator, he describes this, this end time picture of the sea of glass and there's the saints, the ones that have overcome, and they're there, and they're singing a song. And it's the same song that God gave Moses back at the, the promised land. 
Here's what it says in Revelation. It says, they were holding harps from God and they sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. They sang, great and wonderful are your works, O Lord, God Almighty. Just and true are your ways. For all eternity, we will rejoice over the God of the universe who is holy and just and has justified us through Jesus. You know, as I've watched my kids grow and you have kids that, grow too. It's, it's been fun to watch the changes that happen, and, and there's massive changes that, that occur over a lifetime of a kid. Now, you know, they, they go from you having to chop up every little bite of food and feed them one at a time, to now they can eat by themselves. You used to have to carry them around as a baby, and now they can walk by themselves. You used to have to buckle them into their car seat. Now they don't have a car seat anymore. It just gets better, apparently. I love this. But I remember not too long ago with both my boys, they had ceiling fans in their room. And at some point in the not so distant past, they couldn't reach that pull chain to turn on the light. And I've gone in there many mornings and seen my kids reading books in the dark. And I'm like, why are you reading in the dark? And they say, well, dad, I'm too short to turn the light on. Or when you go get cereal, definitely not that uh, crackling oat brain. It's way too expensive for me. But it's up on the top shelf, and if, if they can't reach it, then they have to say, hey, Dad, can you help me? Can you lift me up to get that cereal? And as a father, it does my heart so much good when my kids come to me and they say, I can't reach it by myself, and I need your help to get me there. And our Heavenly Father is just the same. He wants us to ask and say, I need you because I can't measure up. May you bask in the wonder of a God who is just and unreasonably not fair because he loves us so much. May you just understand him through the lens of his justness today. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, today we're rejoicing because you're an incredible God, an indescribable God of justice a God that loves us enough to not be fair. And so I ask that we, I ask that you'll help us just dwell on your greatness and your mercy and your love. God, we love you and we can't wait to see you. In Jesus' name, amen.